This morning is the last in this series that we're doing on clearing up the confusion. You know, this whole series has been kind of an interesting series, I think. We talk about God's will. And I say it's interesting because I don't think a lot of the time we pay much attention to God's will in our life. I think we look at situations from our own perspective. I think we make decisions on our own. I don't often think we bring God into it at all. Unless it's a really big decision and we're a little bit freaked out about it. Then I think we'll start to pray about it a little bit more. Then we'll start to wonder about it. If we've been in devotion or we've had God kind of correct us in the path, then we, we absolutely want to know which way he's leading us because we know when we've gone against that in the past, God's disciplined us or it's been harder. And so we certainly don't want to make those mistakes again. And so God's will becomes more and more important the more and more stakes, it seems, that are on the table. This morning, though, it is a way to... Uh, wrap up this sermon series, I want to take a look at God's guide to decision making because he does say a lot in his word about how it is that we can figure out his will, you know, how it is that we can narrow down what, what, what it is that he's calling us to do. And I say that because I think there's four ways that so often people try to figure stuff out. I think there's the trial and error way. I, I think men seem to prefer this approach far more than any of the other ones. I think particularly on vacation. I mean, you'll hear things like this. We don't need any help. We don't need to use the GPS. I'm glad we forgot it at home. You know, those kind of things. We can figure this out. And, you know, we don't need to stop at a gas station and ask for directions. I know a shortcut. I, I really do. And you hear all those kind of things. Because, guys, well, we just always seem to know where we're going. And usually we know a shortcut on how to get there, those kind of things. And women, as you, even as you listen to this, I think you can attest the truth of that. We do think we know where we're going all the time. And you've literally probably wasted hours of your life going on one of those shortcuts that we've taken you on. But, you know, this trial and error way seems to be one of our favorite ways. We'll just say, well, if it doesn't work this way, then we'll, it must have been as well, and we'll try it someplace else. And we, we go through this trial and error way in life. We try to reduce the risk by looking at a lot of different factors. But sadly, this is the way a lot of people treat God's will, right? They say, well, God, we can't quite figure it out, so we're going to try this because this is what we want to do, and then, and then maybe we'll go from there. Where we just kind of assume, to be honest, that we know where we're going and where God wants to take us. Another way people try to find an unknown, an unknown destination is to actually use a map or, or a GPS system. And then when you have one of these, they're awesome. Actually, GPS is one of my favorite creations ever because I do spend less time on journeys that I didn't intend to go on. Okay? I don't get lost, but I go on a lot of journeys. But anyway, I love these things. And what you do on a trip, especially if you're going cross-country, is you look at it kind of at the beginning. And, and then every time you know you, there's a road change, you kind of look at it again. Or if it's a map, the same kind of thing, just to make sure you're still headed in the right direction. And I really wish that's the way God worked. I wish that as we went through life and all of a sudden there was this big decision before us, we could just look at the GPS and say, oh, he wants us to take a left here. And if it's on the GPS especially, you can't see the whole trip, at least not on the one I have. You know, you can just see the next X amount of space. And so you just know, okay, I've got to go left here, and then it'll share with me the next direction down the line. I have Siri, so she actually reads it to me. I'm very excited about Siri as well. Um, she's on my iPhone, which is very exciting. But anyway, I, I wish it was that kind of system. However, as I said a few weeks ago, God's will is not a GPS system. It's not a map. In fact, the way that God usually works is that he rarely reveals his will long term. Kind of like the GPS system. You just can't see too many steps ahead. And I think he likes to reveal it a little bit by little bit, step by step, so that we have to depend on him more, so that we have to trust in him. You see, God cares first and foremost, and you just have to understand this, he cares most about you in this respect that you get to heaven. 
That's his goal for your life. That's what he wants more than anything for you because he wants to spend eternity with you. And the only way he can do that is to continue to, as we walk through life, increase our faith, which is really increasing our trust in him. And so he doesn't unfold the future all before us. He forces us to trust him along the way. And that can sometimes be a very scary thing. But he does so that we learn to trust and we learn to walk in that trust. So God's will is not a GPS system or a map. Some people try to find a destination by compass. I don't know too many of these people, but they do, right? You go north 8 degrees, and then you go southeast 10 degrees, and then you go west 13 degrees. But the problem with doing this compass kind of way is that you have to know where you are at the very beginning of your journey for you to end up in the right place. How do you know you need to go this far? You need to know exactly where you are before it starts. And when it comes to God's will, or at least determining God's will, most of us, to be honest, if we look at our lives, we have a hard time figuring out where we are or where we're going, or where we need to go. And so it kind of leaves us with this fourth way. A fourth way that you find an unknown destination is to use the way that God uses. It's the best way, the most effective way then, obviously. It's the way that Jesus used in the garden. You look at the palms behind me. It reminds us that this is Palm Sunday, kind of a cool day in 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 the history of the church. People were excited about Jesus on that day. I mean, that Sunday, people were going nuts. That Saturday, people were, people were going nuts, man. He was going into Jerusalem. Everybody was excited. They were waving palm branches, throwing coats and stuff for his donkey to walk on. They didn't even want his donkey's feet to get dirty. They think they were crying out, they were crying out, this is the king. Hail, king of Judah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were looking at this guy as the next king. They were going to force him. The mob was getting together. They were going to force him to become king. People were saying, who's this guy? It's Jesus, the prophet. He's going to change everything. People were nuts. They were thinking Rome was going to have to leave. They were thinking they could start their kingdom of peace now. And yet five days later, he's in the, four days later, I guess it was Sunday, four days later, he's in the garden. He's praying, God, if there's any way this can be taken away from me, take it away. I'm scared out of my mind. But he went, to the, he went to prayer, he went to God, and God gave him something during that time that helped direct his path. See, what God wants to give us more than anything else is not a, a personal guidance system, but a personal guide. A personal guide that can walk with us as we go along the way. Where he knows where every step it is that we take. Where we, and they understand the environment that we go in. That he understands the climate, the dangers better than we do. That he knows where we've been and then he knows where we're going. He wants to give us his spirit, right? The Bible says that God gives us his Holy Spirit to be our guide, to be with us along the way. And so more than a guidance system, God wants to give you a guide. And so he says in Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go, and I will counsel you and watch over you. So don't be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but they must be controlled by the bit or the bridle, or they won't come to you. He says, don't be like an animal who has to be manipulated into following me. Just, just follow me. And you know that trial and error way is kind of, is God has to manipulate things, right? Because we're going to go this way no matter what, because we want to go this way. And so God has to shut the door so that we consider a different way. Until finally we, we end up going the direction that he wants us to go. See, God's will isn't thwarted. It's just kind of honed as the process goes forward. He says, don't be like the animal. He says, just follow me. So this morning I want to take a look at six guidelines that Scripture gives us and what that looks like and how it is that we follow them. I, I think this is a murky subject sometimes. I mean, it's hard because you look at through the Old Testament and the people went into the Promised Land. Why? Because God says, go there. It was very specific. They knew, go there. And we just knew that we had to go there, and so they went there. 
so often in our life, God just doesn't call us up on the phone and say, hey, look, I want you to do this. And so how do we figure it out? And God gives us six things. I'm just going to list through these things and talk about them for a little bit. The first and the sixth one are going to be the hardest, but they're all vitally important to getting to the right destination. And so one of the first ones, I said this is going to be one of the harder ones, is this. We need to be willing to obey in advance. In other words, you choose to do God's will even before you know what it is that he wants you to do. And David says this in Psalm 40, verse 8. He says, to do your will, oh my God, is my desire. I think that reflects a lot of us. I mean, we want to do what God wants us to do. Most of us have have gone opposite ways from what we knew God wanted us to do, and we paid for it. God gave us that loving discipline, and we don't want to go back through those experiences again, ever. And so we want to be where God wants us to be. We want to follow his will. We, we, We vitally do. That's why David says, man, I want to do it. In advance, even before I know what it is, Lord, just show me the way. And this is where I think 99% of the problem comes in knowing God's will for our life. Because I think there's this battle that is within us between what God wants us to do and what we want to do. There's this conflict. And the key, God says, is to be willing to do what he wants us to do even before he shares it with us. But we like to play a game called, God, you show us what your will is first... And if we like it, we're going to do it. If we don't like it, there's no way. God says, I want you to go to Africa as a missionary. Yeah, I don't know, God, about that. God, God says, I want you to become a pastor. And we say, oh, man, I don't know about that. God says, I want you to be a Bible study teacher or a Sunday school teacher, or help out with the music or, or help out in the parking like greeting people. I want you to do these things. And we, we hear God's will for our life, but we're like, oh, man, I just I don't know if that's for me, God. But you know what? God's will is not for curiosity seekers. God says, you have to get to a place where you'll do anything I want you to do, and then I'll, I'll show you the way forward. And so you come in here and you say, God, I want to follow you 100%. I want to do your will because that's what my prayer is. That's actually what my desire is. I complicate that with my head, but that's what I want to do. And know that if you decide to follow his will, no matter what, it'll test you. You can count on it. He just wants to see if you really mean it when you say, I will follow you no matter where you go. And so we be honest with him and we say, God, the reality is I don't know. I am I, willing to be made willing to go and be a missionary, to become a pastor, or to go out and help in the parking lot or, or with the kids. I, I'm willing to be made willing, but I'm scared, Lord, and it intimidates me. And I don't know exactly what you want me to do, but I'm willing to be made willing. It always starts in that place where we open our heart to God and we say, here, we're taking away our restrictions. And then he goes to a second place, and that's to make sure that we're in fellowship with God. 1 John 1.9 says that if you have a clear conscience, you have to have a clear conscience in order to have fellowship with God. And what does it mean to have a clear conscience? It means you go to God and you say, God, I'm sorry for all the stuff that I've done. It's taking ourselves out of it. It's getting rid of our past. It's saying, God, renew me, cleanse me, make me new. And when we say, God, I'm sorry, and he says, I forgive you, he just wipes us clean. I used to, when I was doing youth with the kids, I would say, he puts on Jesus goggles, right? I mean, we're messed up people, he puts on the goggles and we're perfect. We get out of God's way. We, we get rid of our past. We say, God, I'm yours and my future is yours. Show me the way. For it's then, he says, that you will know what is good and acceptable before God. You get your life in God's will and then he can show you the specifics. And it's much easier for our guide to talk to us when we're in fellowship with him, when we're talking to him. And then, God says, you need to search the scriptures. Why? Because God's will is always found in God's word. And so we read the Bible. And God's will will never contradict God's word. So we study the scriptures. In fact, any major decision in your life, to be honest, is an excellent reason to do a Bible study. 
to get a concordance, to get a Bible, to, to do a systematic study right on the topic that you're struggling with. And it's so important to I feel, feel like this is. I wouldn't get married today until I did a study on what the Bible says about marriage. I wouldn't move without first looking at what the Bible has to say about work. If I was under stress, sometimes I'm under stress. I look to see what the Word says about, about stress in my life and how to get rid of it. You look at the principles, you look at the commands, the examples, the promises that God gives us. You study the scripture because God's will is found in God's word. So many times people say, well, I just don't get a sense of where God has taken me. I don't get a word. I said, have you been in the word? They said, no. I said, that's why. We have to go to where he is. And he promises always to be found in his word. Now, he doesn't tell us the person that we're going to marry, but he does tell us about what he expects marriage to be. He tells us a lot about the kind of person we should look to marry. So we do these systematic studies. We, we open his word. We, we look at what it is that he has to say. We search the scriptures and we look at the principles before we make a decision. I think that's a better way forward than kind of what I hear a lot of people doing when they're trying to find God's guidance. You know, it's always a last resort, but, but we get to this point where we're like, oh, let's just see what God has to say. We open up the Bible, we put our finger down, and, and whatever it says, man, that's what God meant for us to read. And you know what's cool about God is sometimes he just uses that. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in God's Word, and sometimes he uses it. But it's not one of those foolproof plans, right? I mean, you can get pretty messed up. It's like the guy who was doing this. He says, okay, God, I want to know what your will of it for my life is today. And he opened it up, and he put his finger down, and it read, Judas went out and killed himself. And he's all freaked out about that. He goes, that can't be it. So he did it again. He closed the Bible up and he opened it up and put his finger down and it said, go and do likewise. Now he's really freaked out. He's like, okay, all right, last time, God, this is going to be your will this time. So he opens it up and he puts his finger down and it says, what thou doest, doest quickly. But that's the kind of results you get when you dip and skip through Scripture, right? When you, when you go with this haphazard approach to God's Word, it's not the right way to study Scripture. It's not the right way to find guidance for your life. It's just chance. And so we need to search the Scriptures. We need to look at those principles to find guidance in our life. Then, he says, start praying. Pray for wisdom. In James 1-5, through 5, it says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. He says again, You have not because you ask not. I think that's true with most of us. Most of the time, we don't ask God for wisdom. In fact, how many of you spend at least five minutes a day saying, God, make me wise. Show me what it is that you want me to do today. Sometimes you feel dumb. I, I don't ever feel that way, but sometimes you might. And, and you start praying for that, and God can make you wise, right? He promises to do so. He gives you insight. He gives you wisdom. Every day we ought to be asking him for that. It makes life a little bit easier as we walk through it. Over and over again, it says to pray for wisdom. In Philippians 4.6, it says, don't panic, pray. Don't worry, don't get uptight, pray. Talk to God about it. And yet, how many times do we just not go to bed at night because our minds are racing? So often we have to think we have to take some, some PM medicine to fall asleep or, or take some, some other kind of medicine to fall asleep. Instead, we could just pray. Start with the confession. Say, God, let me get myself out of the way and say I'm sorry. Give me hope that it will get better. Take away the guilt of my past. And then we start giving them our worries and our struggles and the decisions before us and saying, God, I can't do this. I need you to be involved. I need you to work this out. I need you to give me peace. I guarantee if you trust him with those prayers, because prayer is a trust thing. We pray to a God who we know is powerful and able to help us, and we trust that he will, we go right back to sleep. It's better than any medicine you can figure out. You say, I don't even know what I'm supposed to pray, Pastor. I don't even know how to pray. So we go to Romans 8, verse 26, which says, when we don't know how to pray, and I love that that's in there, the Holy Spirit prays for us in words that we don't understand. 
You get to this place in your life where you're like, ah, I don't know what we should do. I don't know if you've ever said that or been in that place where you're just like, ah, those kind of words, right, that I make up during sermons. I mean, we, we get to those places, and God says when you're in that place, the Holy Spirit is taking those ahs, and he's giving them to his Father, the Lord. He prays for us in those times. He knows our hearts, and he prays for us. It's awesome. And then after you've done that, and you're in his word, and you're praying, and you've gotten yourself out of the way with confession, and you, you're, you're open to the fact that whatever God you want me to do, I'm going to do, he says then, go get the facts. Check it out. Get the whole story. Investigate the situation. You don't make a decision on faulty knowledge ever. And so God gave you a lot of wisdom, a lot of guidance when he gave us a brain. He expects us to use it. In Proverbs 23.23, he says this, Get the facts at any price and hold on tightly to all the good sense that you can get. Proverbs 19.20 says, Get all the advice you can and be wise with the rest of your life. How many of you have learned or experienced in your life that the way things appear aren't always the way they are. Anybody ever pick that up along life? If you haven't, the way things appear aren't always the way they are. Often they're, they're a little bit different than what we expect. And so we have to do the homework. You've got to get the facts. I'm amazed truly at how many people get married before they even really know the person they're getting married to. I'm amazed at how many people accept a job offer before they really truly understand what that offer includes. Or how many people make a move to some other city or town just based on a feeling or a want to without really checking out what it's going to be like. People say, I just kind of go with the flow. I just kind of let the Spirit lead. You know, I just kind of do those things. But God says it's important also to get the facts. Right? Because that's a spiritual thing to do. I know we live in this postmodern world where facts are maybe unnecessary. You know, if we feel it's true, it must be really true. I talked to a girl yesterday or two days ago and and she felt a lot of things about the Lord that just weren't true. And so in our discussion, I said, well, you know, that's, I want to debate on, on how we feel what Scripture says is, is real or not. I just want to share with you what Scripture says. And so the things that you're saying, are, they, they actually contradict what God's trying to share with you in his word. God says he loves you, even though you feel like he doesn't. God says that he's there with you, even when you feel like he isn't. God says that he has a good plan for your life, even when you dis- discount that at every possible cost. God says he's loving, even when you say he's not. I mean, let me just share with you what he says and get out of this feeling if it's true or not, because who cares if you feel if it's true, if God says it's true. But we live in a, a world that, that discounts facts and goes always to feeling. I don't care what it says. I feel like it's the right thing to do, and so we walk off the cliff. But God says the spiritual thing to do is also to use your wisdom to evaluate the situations, to find out your realities. And then he goes to this last step. And I said this would be one of the more difficult ones as well. In faith, sometimes we need to make a decision. And I think this is the one that we get hung up with a little bit. In Proverbs 16, 9, it says we should make our plans counting on God to direct us. So the Bible is just saying that we should make plans, right? But sometimes it comes to a point in our life that we have to step out in faith, or another word for faith is trust. We can't see the other side. We're not exactly sure how it's all going to turn out. But there are times where he asks us to take that step in faith, in trusting him, to see where it is that he wants to take us. You've heard the old expression, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. Not many of you have tried that. I tried and failed. But anyway... We've got to be willing to try. If we're, if we're never, I can guarantee you this, you'll never walk on water unless you get out of the boat. Sometimes you just have to move ahead and do it. Even, I say that, even when you don't have all the answers in front of you, even when you're not really sure, you have to step out in faith and sometimes just make the move. 
The space shuttle had, I say had because they haven't used it in a while, a tremendous multi-million dollar guidance system built into it, an amazing GPS system. They spent millions and millions of dollars building the guidance system into the ship. And yet once the guidance system, or actually, yet the guidance system isn't worth two cents, to be honest, unless the, unless the spaceship is in the air. And so until, until the, the, the craft starts moving, the guidance system is just absolutely worthless. And I just share that to say, unless you start moving, it doesn't matter where it is that God is trying to take you because you're still standing still. In other words, sometimes God says you just have to go for it. If it's always explained that there is no faith involved, and again we come back to the idea of God wanting to create in us faith and trust to see if he'll do more in our life. So after you've done these things and you searched the scriptures and you've prayed and you've gotten the facts and you've considered your desires and you, you know you're in fellowship with God and you're relaxed and saying, God, I know this is all depends on you, sometimes it just comes to the point where you have to step out in faith and trust and make the move and, and, and try it is what it is that he's calling you to try. See, God's will is just not as mystical as so many people want to make it. it it's just not because it's right here in the scriptures for so many people to read and see. God's word is so clear in so many different areas. And God is not trying to play games with you when it comes to his will. He actually wants you to know his will more than you want to know it most times. He's not trying to hide it. And if you really want to know his will, which is not always the case, but if you really want to know his will and you're sincerely committed to him, I don't think you're going to have any problem finding it. And if you do miss it, and God is faithfulness, at least in my life, if you do miss it, he'll still use that mistake for your growth in his glory. God loves us as his kids, and he disciplines us as his kids, and when we miss it, he's just going to make sure we get it down the line, right? See, ultimately, God wants to give you more than just a guidance system. He wants to give you himself, right? He he wants to give you a guide, the Holy Spirit, that comes down and, and just hangs out with you, to live with you, to live in you, to direct you step by step. He wants to give you the assurance that because of Jesus, we're forgiven, that we don't have to worry about our past anymore, that we don't have to walk around with that guilt anymore, that we don't have to carry that guilt or that load in life. And above all, and I think this Holy Week is probably the coolest time for that, he wants to remind us of how much he loves us, that he's willing to do anything for us, give up anything, anyone for us, because he wants us to be in heaven. Great is the love of our God. And all God's people said, Amen.